He's the one guy that can match the Michigan three-point shooters, Luke Hancock, and he's done it to the tune of trying to get his team on the lead. And up ahead, Deceiva. Oh! And that by Harrell, and just like that, in the blink of an eye, Louisville comes from 12 down to take the lead. Hello, and welcome to the third episode of what high school did you go to? We've made it this far. We've made it this far, Chris. I am Gabe Diverge. And I'm Chris Atfield. And this is our third episode. Um, you may or may not have heard the second episode where we like legit <laughs> announced the name of the podcast because the first 10 minutes of that podcast just sound like garbage because my very, very well working. Mike decided to stop working, <laughs> which is good fun. Um, so yeah. So if this is your first time listening, appreciate it. Uh, we had, we shared the podcast feed. Uh, it's on iTunes. It's on Google play. I'm sure we'll, I'll toss it on some more here in the next week or so. So if you're listening on one of those devices, really appreciate you spread the word, tell your friends, uh, we're going to talk about Louisville sports today. We're going to talk about a bunch of other non-Louisville sports-related things, which is fun. Um, well, I guess not a bunch, but some other non-sports-related totally. things. So, yeah, appreciate you, appreciate you listening, and bear with us. Hopefully, this sounds a lot better, um, but we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's go on, Chris. You know, we're recording this on Wednesday night around ten thirty. And Louisville basketball is prepping for their final game before the Battle of the Bluegrass. But in the past week, they played two opponents that, you know, we talked last episode a little bit. If anybody heard, uh, we were talking specifically about these opponents being a little bit of a test. Not, they weren't exactly the cream puffs that teams normally schedule at home. Uh, Louisville defeated Lipscomb 72 to 68 on uh, a week ago today, which was a really close game against a, a good opponent, number 66 in, um, in Ken Palm. And then on Saturday, they defeated Kent State 83 to 70. Honestly, it wasn't even that close. Um, and that was that was also a, that I think was a, was a pretty good improvement. Um, Chris, you know, what were your what were your sort of feedback? What did you see in those two games that that you'll take with you from this little stretch here? I think the the biggest thing that we we kind of saw from the Lipscomb game was Louisville played a really bad half um, in the first half, and Lipscomb's a great team. I actually picked Louisville to you know lose that game at the beginning of the season because that's kind of how much respect I have for Lipscomb. Um, they're probably in all likelihood going to be a tournament team. It's a shame that they're coming from a one big league because if they were to lose in their conference, they obviously won't make it, but right. in all likelihood they will be. But I, I think the, the best thing about that is they played a, they played a bad half of basketball and, and they were able to come back and, you know, kind of regroup. And I, I think that's very basic takeaway, but you know, um, it's, it's important for a team like this. No, absolutely. And, you know, just looking at Lipscomb specifically, I mean, Louisville turned the ball over 17 times, which yeah. is, you know, definitely a season high. And um, I think the majority of those came in the second half, if I recall. Uh, so it's they, you're right. They played a bad half of basketball and it looked pretty precarious there at the end. You know, they were tied for a period of time. Um, you know, some big shots got taken and, um, you know, Kent State, you know, they they are they went in and beat. Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt, Lipscomb right. beat um, TCU at TCU. So they have good wins. And like you said, I think um, Kent State's in a little bit easier position. I think they, they could, their league uh, could be, the the MAC could be a, a two bid league. Um, so they're it in a really, better It spot. really should be a two bid lead. I mean, not to get off too much of a tangent, but Buffalo is a good basketball right. team. Right. And if they get beat in a conference tournament, and for some reason, if they fall out of the top 25, they are a good basketball team. If they're a twenty, you know, twenty-five, twenty-six win team, and they get left out of the 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 tournament because they they lose on a buzzer beater in the conference championship game, that would be a, a crime. No, um, you're absolutely so, right. Yeah, that just just a small aside there, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought you you had a good point. You know, during that that Ken State game, there was a there was a stretch there that you thought uh, I saw. You said that. You know that was one of the best stretches you've seen from this yeah. team. What 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 were you kind of seeing there? I guess it just it felt like 
especially when you compared that game to the Lipscomb game, there was sort of a flow to them and sort of an opportunity instead of doing because against Lipscomb, they were up, I think, at one point, like 12, 14 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they kind of let him back in. And against Kent State, when when that gear kind of got hit, they 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 kept it. They kept going, even though the game could have been a much bigger it could have been a much bigger, you know, margin of victory. I think Kent State actually outscored Louisville in the final 10 minutes, 25 to 23 points. Um, in the whole second half, they outscored Louisville. So uh, I think Louisville kept their own in, in, in a in a great way. And, you know, I think we're at this point where, uh, you know, we talked about it last week where Jordan Moore is, is the star of the team. At this point, there's, there's he's a nothing. bona fide star. He's a bona fide star. He's a bona fide all ACC candidate at this point. And if he continues this throughout the, throughout the, the winter, it that's, that's, it's not an, if it's a win at that point, uh, Dwayne Sutton, as we talked about, he sort of stepped up in, in Kent state. He had 16 points. And uh, Christian Cunningham, who I, I think we wanted to talk a little bit about a little more, um, had a really good Kent State game. Um, yeah. Seven, 17 points, four assists, only one turnover. I think he had six turnovers or five turnovers against against Lipscomb. Uh, so really improved there. But, yeah, we wanted to talk. You know, we're sort of in this period where we're trying to figure things out before the U.K. game. And, you know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. We'll talk about that for sure next week. Um where Louisville's trying to figure out what works best. And I was really intrigued um, by the Hoops Insight email that comes out. I don't know if you guys uh, subscribe to the Hoops Insight email. Just You can follow it at, at Hoops Insight. And um, it's a person should. who is really into, really into advanced stats. And I don't know if they're a UK fan or a UofL fan, but they have a, a – they have an, an email newsletter for both teams, and I think they put out their first um, their first one of the year. Um, again, well, actually, like third of the year um, after the Indiana game, and it had some information specifically about Ryan McMahon and had this stat that's really interesting. So over the last three games, this was before Lipscomb and Kent State, U of L had been plus three in 106 possessions with Ryan McMahon in the game and plus 32 and 96 possessions with him out of the, out of the game. So that adjusted margin, you know, it, it really shows out that, you know, Louisville was performing almost better without McMahon, even despite him doing playing really well in the Michigan state game. But what sort of the article goes into helping us understand is that it really appears to be not about Ryan McMahon, but who he plays with on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some evidence that goes to show that Christian Cunningham, who is a little less likely to drive, he was a little less likely to drive against IU um, and, and in general has has been a little less likely to do that. He is not creating the space for Ryan McMahon, as you would hope your starting point guard does. Um, Darius Perry, who we've talked a little bit about, I think he's had a little bit of trouble acclimating himself to the Chris Mack system, but he is willing to get to the rim. Um, you know, there's even some evidence that, you know, PJ King is helping um, is is helping uh, McMahon in, the, in, in there as well. So it is sort of talked, you know, sort of among some of the um the Louisville basketball literati kind of talking a little bit about this. I think people really like this, this observation and it sort of goes to show something that isn't, you know, it's not a shot at Kristen Cunningham or Darius Perry, but it is an observation for something that I think this team is going to need to have work on a more consistent basis. And that's Ryan McMahon being able to play extended minutes on the floor offensively. Right. Uh, so Chris, you know, I know you, we talked a little bit about this. What were your general takeaways? What are your thoughts on, you know, I don't like putting it like this, but what is, you know, Darius Perry versus Kristen Cunningham. I know you're a big Darius Perry head, especially with his new head of hair. Uh, <laughs> so what, what, what are your thoughts there? Well, I think we should start uh, somewhere we, we can all agree. And we can all kind of agree that there was no really guy that was affected more by Rick Bettino's departure than Darius Perry, right? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. it's it's a guy that you look at and you say, hey, this is uh, this is Russ Smith light. He's a guy that's going to – you're going to play in the full court press. He's going to attack you, attack you, attack you. He's going to be a little bit frivolous with the ball, but he's going to make up for it on defense. And uh, – I think it's important to note that, you know, Chris Mack doesn't play like that. Obviously the defense is, is totally different. It's pack Latin defense. It's built on not over pursuing and defending what's in front of you and, you know, seeing what you can get. So I think that 
is the first major point that you need to look at. And I, I, I really kind of look at this thing. I look at it like Rajon Rondo versus Lonzo Ball. <laughs> like literally and it's funny that i, I bring it, it. I no, I br- bring up that because i mean god forbid my my la lakers i don't even know what's going on i'm starting to understand what it feels like to be a knicks fan i really am <laughs> no you can't say that. you can't say that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's totally so not even fair to you I get out of here we were not um, going there <laughs> but no man because like for louisville to reach their their full ceiling i think you would agree that it would be with Darius Perry playing. Yeah. But right now the margin is so thin in some of these games that it's almost like you need Christian Cunningham on the floor more because there's a few things. I mean, Darius Perry has a higher, I'm a big believer in the plus minus and Darius Perry is better there. And it's almost by about three points, but Cunningham has a higher assist rate. He has a lower turnover rate. He's produced more points. And you you would think he's produced more points. He's played more minutes. That just makes sense. But the assist rate and the turnover rate is uh, – that's that's the big thing here. Um, and I think that's the thing that's keeping Cunningham on the floor more. Um, but it, it's pretty simple. If you want to look at Louisville and you want to say, hey, this team, the ceiling is Sweet 16. And – I think that's fair. I think if Lola made a Sweet 16, everybody would be ecstatic. And I think that's Sweet 16 is probably, you know, the ceiling for this team. And I think if you want to see Lola there in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, it would be with Darius Perry getting the, you know, the lion's share of the, of the minutes. I completely agree. I think he has the biggest upside, but right now he just, it's, it is, I think it's more on defense and offense for sure. I mean, the one statistic I'm looking at the Ken Palm page right now that just leaps out at me, um, Darius Perry, or I'm sorry, Christian Cunningham commits 1.9 fouls per 40 minutes. That's really, really good for, especially yeah. for, for a point guard, Darius Perry commits 5.2 fouls. And per you 40 minutes. can, you cannot do that in this system. You because cannot it is, do that. It no. is built about hedging and then getting back on defense. And when you hedge too hard, it is backdoor. Look at, just look at any film from Malik Williams or Steven Enoch in the yeah. Indiana game. That's, yeah. that's all you have to do. No, absolutely. And, and, and it's something, you know, we joked about Darius Perry being Russ Smith, right? Light, excuse me. And that's Russ Smith was, was very adamant about that being a mistake that this team made during uh, the Indiana game. They, they just over pursued and Darius Perry appears to be the top guy doing that. That's um, hilarious. You know, that Russ Smith was saying that, first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it, Perry is third in the team in fouls committed for 40 minutes. Number one being Malik Williams at 6.1 and number two being a Koya Gal of 5.6. But even if you look at Darius Perry versus, you know, this year versus last year, his assist rate is down tremendously. He was at 17.9 this year. He was at 21.9 last year. Um, he is getting to, but he's getting to the line more, or he's already gotten to the line more times this year than he did last year, which kind of underlines his point about Ryan McMahon. Um, but it's, it, this is one thing that I think, uh, you know, if you're a smart Louisville basketball fan, you're got to keep your eye on, uh, mm-hmm. Is is Darius Perry going to be able to figure out this defense and be able to get on the floor more often? Because I think there are going to be nights when when Christian Cunningham can't. Um, you know, I think he's a little bit of a streaky shooter. He is the, he is clearly a leader on this team, and having that type of guy on the court is really valuable. Uh, but I am with you. I, I think that there is a ceiling, and we saw that at the end of the IU game. I hope you know maybe that was a one-time thing, but I sort of felt at the end of that IU game that we sort of saw uh, that's how far uh, Christian Cunningham could take this team. And yeah, it was I mean, it's difficult it, at times for him. If you want to say that that um, Darius Perry is Russ Smith light, I think you can say that Christian Cunningham is Chris Jones. That, <laughs> I, I kind of think that's you know I find myself doing this often, and it's really not really fair, but it, it's it's a good basis to to kind of kind of see where these guys are at, and that's that's just kind of who he reminds me of. Um, not really going to give you a whole lot on offense, not going to give you a whole lot on defense, but there's going to be a few nights where he's going to be great, but he's always going to be consistently solid. Yeah. And that's, I think I, at this point, I think that's all Chris Mack can ask for. And I imagine he's thinking some of these similar things. Yeah. Um, 
other another player that you know we would be remiss without talking about and uh, definitely have to get your thoughts on on VJ King, Chris. You know, it seems it's we've gotten to the point where it's it's getting really tough. It's getting really tough for us to believe in VJ King. Um, you know, we we won't be the tenth you know podcast or show you listen to that kind of explains why VJ King is has the expectations. You know, I'd love to be able to tell you he has a Wayne Blackshear type renaissance at some point. That's not fair um, to Wayne Blackshear, but it's not fair to Wayne Blackshear. And it's not, I think some of the expect to be, to be honest, Chris, I don't know if you agree. I do think some of the expectations we're putting, not necessarily expectations, but some of the responses to his performance have been unfair. VJ uh-huh. King, you know, you, this isn't going to be the first time these listeners have heard us, but he is the guy who could have left. He is a burger boy. He could have left. He could have gone to another school that, that was, you know, that was playing tournament basketball and he didn't. And, um, I, I got to give that guy respect and he's always going to have some respect in, in my mind for that. Uh, but is but that doesn't help on the floor when, you know, he takes a shot. He takes a shot at the beginning. I think it was at the beginning of the Livescum game, like in that first half. And it's just like an air ball, like a 15 footer. That's an air ball and the whole crowd groans. And it just, you know, it's going to be a rough night for him. And I get so bummed out for VJ because it's almost like he's in his own head. You know, Jeff Greer talked a little bit about it and related back to the story he wrote earlier this summer. You know, when he he puts his foot in front of himself and puts his own his own stone wall up to prevent him from really producing. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the hot topic on Louisville message boards is that uh, VJ King needs a sports psychiatrist, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I I really don't know if that's the case, but it's it's definitely like there's something going on there for sure because uh, when he comes into a games it's it's almost you feel it like he's in the game i gotta make an impact immediately and he puts it on himself and it's just like i i did find i did find something interesting today just actually kind of by happenstance yeah um, I, the vj king and and winning gabriel numbers um from their two oh, no. are <laughs> so similar I mean, they're they're almost identical to each other. VJ King's averaging a little bit more points um, his freshman year, and then sophomore year kind of evens out. But you say, "Oh no!" But I mean, Winning <laughs> Gabriel's been on and off NBA rosters. He's he had a really big game like in a G League team, and he was on the Kings roster for a little bit. But yeah, that's kind of kind of like no that that's I think that's like a perfect comparison. I, yeah. <laughs> I, it makes sense. It makes sense. I, I, I can I can see where we're going there. I think, you know, I just think we kind of had to be realistic at this point, you know, and when you, Gabriel would, would show up some nights, you know, he'd show up some nights. Oh, VJ, VJ King's going to have a game where he's, he's going to have he's going to drop like 20 and you're going to and like, he's going to okay. have a game against a team that isn't a cupcake. Like I know a lot of people yeah. were criticizing Chris Mack for putting him in, you know, honestly, respect to Chris Mack. He's giving this kid the opportunity to work it out. He wants him to succeed. I think more than anybody in in this city, Uh, he wants to see that happen. He knows he needs a guy like VJ King down the stretch who can attack the rim. You know, we just spent 10 minutes talking or, you know, five minutes talking about how that was an issue for this team attacking the rim. So he needs a guy like that. And it's, it's, I, I hope he figures it out. I just, yeah, I mean, there's – I don't know if Louisville – I'll just example Syracuse. I don't know if Louisville plays them once or twice. But that's going to be a game where they're going to make either Ryan McMahon hit threes or they're going to make one Louisville point guard hit threes because they're yeah. set back in the zone and one of them's going to have to hit him. And if they're off and no one's attacking the rim and I don't know what's going on with the Louisville big man, but if not, if that stays the same, you know, they're going to lose that game unless <laughs> you have a guy like – either VJ King going to the rim or Darius Perry going to the rim and creating, you know, you know, that space there. So that's, that's, that's just one example. He's no, definitely, makes sense. It, definitely an opportunity. Syracuse, by the way, we only play once. I think the three teams we play twice this year, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and of course, Virginia. <sighs> I think they beat Virginia this year. I think I hope so. Oh, Boston college as well. So it's a little bit easier of a, of a double, double schedule. Um, does does Rick Bettino tweet about Louisville if Chris Mack beats Virginia twice? 
Oh, no question. <laughs> Does that get him to, to finally do it? I thought he would tweet the, the night after Louisville beat Michigan State. He tweeted about Michigan State like yeah. two days later. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you know, you have opinions. I just I just want to hear them. Yeah. Side note, we don't need, we didn't even say we we're going to talk about this. You're 30 seconds on Cal inviting Patino to the 93. Oh, my God. It's, it's the fakest thing I've ever seen. I'm glad I'm glad I'm not the only one who felt that way. <laughs> I almost felt like it was like, you know, like every week Trump does something that kind of just takes look over here. Don't look here. And I almost kind of felt like it was that, you know, but because it, it was before the Utah game, it was uh, yeah. after, you know, plenty of questions about Kentucky basketball right now. So I just it, it was a really weird time to drop that. But yeah, it was. You could have dropped it last year when they lost, you know, three games straight. But. Well, there was there was the reunion. I think that's why he met he he dropped oh, it. Oh, okay. So, but but what was interesting? What was most interesting to me was I don't recall if he mentioned it or if the article from the Herald Leader mentioned it. But yeah, like a likened, I was like, oh, I hope Rick Pitino becomes sort of what Joby Hall is now. Like, fam, Rick Pitino is never gonna <laughs> live in Lexington, Kentucky. Ever. That's not even happening. even if he was welcome with open arms, he would never do that because he has the ego the size of Texas. So after after the Rupp, you know, the, the Rupp faithful booed him the first time he was there, that that was burnt. It ended it, man. It's it's done. It doesn't matter if they all sign an affidavit saying they'll never do it again. It's he's never coming back. Rippetino has a construction company and they say they're never gonna, you know, do anything <laughs> to that or but yeah, it's, it, <laughs> that was the fakest thing I've seen in a little while. It was pretty funny. I I'll, I will say I am going to I'm going to Florida in uh, in like three weeks in January, and we're going to Gulfstream Park, which is a Rick Pitino stalwart <laughs> Dude, spot. Yes, and half the reason why we're going is because we're just gonna hope to see Rick Pitino there and just take pictures with him. So more to come on that. You ever like cross your fingers? <laughs> go, go to like a. Churchill Downs on like a Wednesday at like two o'clock in the middle of I don't know November when there's no big races going. Yeah, and there's just the there's like three guys and they're freaking about freaking out about a six horse race that's going on at freaking I don't know Oakland. <laughs> that's that's going to be right between you know and like uh, ten I think years. It already that, is. That, yeah, I yeah, think it already no, is. It really is, and I. I do kind of love the that guy's got nothing Kentucky else to gave do. Him that. Yeah, he's got he's got that and he's got uh, he's got going to other locker rooms to talk to teams. That's what yeah. he's got now. While, <laughs> but, David, while, while David Padgett's on ESPN, given <laughs> given takes. Good now, for so. him. Good for him. Yeah, well, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll see that to come. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it on the uh, basketball side. We, we, you know, we could talk about UK a little bit, but I know we will definitely dive into that next week. But uh, quick, I, you know. It looks good. I feel I feel like I feel I'm scared of how calm I am about it. Yeah. That's like my my one sentence feeling right now. Your mom Baker's already got 30 points. So. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. Uh, but today is Wednesday. Today is the early uh, the early season national signing day, whatever they're calling it now at this point in time uh, for college football. Louisville had a small national signing day class. I think four guys. Um, you know, headlines, the two big stories, uh, you know, the flipping of App State commit to Louisville, Evan Conley, quarterback, you know, that was a, it seemed to be a big deal. I saw some article from Scout saying that was one of the top 10 flips of the day, whatever, whatever you think that means. And then, uh, I'm losing the name right now, but Louisville flipped a linebacker who was committed to IU. Uh, is it? Dorian Jones? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Dorian Jones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I mean those you know signing day is one of those things. It's like, oh, it's great to get excited about and it's fun. As I joked earlier, really signing day for me is just look at Clemson's class and see the guys who are going to burn us for the next four years. <laughs> yeah, That's legitimately the top thing I do on signing day. We have a um, Juco corner on one of their wide receivers next year. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be fun. I'm really excited for that. But in all seriousness, I mean, it looks I think the bigger story is just kind of, um, you know, Scott Satterfield's getting his guys in both uh, both in the both in the commit side, you know, getting that that quarterback to flip 
which I think was it was definitely a significant thing. You know, obviously that's not a five star guy. That's not a Lamar Jackson coming to this team, but it is significant, especially when you're thinking about the fact that there's already two quarterbacks on the roster. And um, you know, getting a flip from IU I think was was kind of cool. And it, mm-hmm. I've seen some IU fans kind of be like, oh well, there wasn't going to be any playing time for him. But I mean, come on, a flip's a flip. Uh, it's it's it, with the limited amount of time. Uh, this also was a big day for Satterfield coaching wise. All the coaches kind of made the rounds, saw a lot of the media guys gushing over a noted football guy, Dwayne Ledford, the new uh, offensive line coach. Did, did, I, I need to see the interview again, but I want to know if Fred Calgo was the first person to get a question. <laughs> because it, it seems like it always is. He was the, he was the first guy to get the. Uh, the Satterfield question in. So I'm, I'm just curious if it was him again. I think he's, I think at this point, Fred's kind of, if he's batting a hundred right now, that's, that's pretty good. He's batting a hundred. I think Fred's kind of like what, what Sullivan wishes he was like the elder <laughs> state, the elder statesman yeah. of old sports media. He, he's, uh, Oscar everyone Combs. he's Oscar Combs. That, that makes sense. So, I mean, you know, uh, you, they're, they're building the class pretty much all app state guys, whether, I mean, Ledford was at NC state, previously, but App State before that, um, a little bit of rumbling about potentially nabbing the running back coach from Wisconsin, which I haven't heard too much about since the other day. Uh, Chris, any kind of thoughts on Satterfield signing day, where we're, where we're going from here football wise? No, I thought the, uh, I mean, the quarterback thing is, is what it is. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that the guy's going to be a star. It's hard to say. Um, I think it's cool that you're bringing in a guy that's going to promote more competition. Um, because Absolutely. I I still stand pretty strong in saying that Malik Cunningham will be the starter against Notre Dame, because I I think that's a guy with the most raw skill. Um, don't I, think he, don't think he can throw the ball much, but I think he gives you the best chance to win. You know, the biggest amount of games. So do you right think? Now. I mean, we're seeing a lot of a lot of stuff coming out about uh, transfer quarterbacks on the market. Do you think Louisville? even tries to get one of those guys do you think i think i think global tries but i think no point that anyone has even remotely considered is maybe some of that chatters to motivate some of these guys yeah i mean Jawan passed he obviously wasn't great last year but there were times where he was not bad i mean there's there's throws here and there, but there's there's throws that Lamar Jackson makes, you know, four times a game in a full game that are just like what? So yeah. <laughs> I mean, and obviously he's not him, but I mean, I'm not ready to just throw in the towel, the guys. So I think that's a point to consider. I, I think definitely at this point, Louisville's going to be on the market for pretty much any guy. They're going to have an open year. Um, I, I thought the the Dorian Dorian Jones. The, the, the flip from IU was was interesting because it was a guy that had, you know, had the had the best offers of pretty much anybody in Louisville's class. He had an offer from UK, Syracuse, South Florida. So I mean, mm-hmm. that that was cool to see. That that shows that at least you know uh, one guy is believing in what Satterfield's selling in in a short time. So it, it it's still for me, it's really hard to give a strong opinion. Um, yeah. I think it's I think it's unfair at any point. Even if it's in, you know, the February signing day to to sit here and say these guys are going to be program changers. I think this season, as it stands, you know, I said the same thing on Twitter. I think it's a definition of a mulligan. So um, what happens, happens. But, you know, um, there were some positives for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's there's some murmurs I've been reading, seeing on the message boards, you know, App State guys, so many App State guys. I think that was always going to be the case for this first line, the big positions, the right. defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, special teams, running game. What I'm really interested in, I think, where we'll, we'll start to see the diversity is these other positions left, offensive linebacker, wide receiving coach. Those are the recruiters. Those are the guys who are who who if you want outside app state guys, those are the guys hopefully that will be fill, filling those roles. That's where you might see a court Dennison. Um, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully there's been murmurs about that. Um, another thing that we, you know, I kind of skipped over that I think is interesting and kind of underlines, you know, why people I think should kind of believe in Satterfield is, you know, the, the jewel of his class at app state was a three-star running back DJ Williams from Florida. That guy just signed with Auburn. Uh, yeah. So like, it, and he had a ton of other SEC offers as soon as Satterfield left App State. 
and the fact that he was he was going to keep him until he left. So I think I think we're kind of at this point where if you're a non-believer in cider field identifying talent, I mean, obviously these guys haven't played yet, but I think given what's happened on the field for App State and some of these offers and it's this isn't you can go back and you can look this happens to them every year they 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 offer a three star and then the sec school see him and they they pick him up so that happens everywhere but i think that just identifies that that satterfield can can check out this talent and and he can identify the diamonds in the rough and i'm i feel i feel decent about about where he is and you know like you said this next season is is nothing. It's nothing to worry about. Um, if the team wins four games, that's an improvement. If there's no way they're they're gonna lose all the games or lose right. one game, that's just not. Yeah, gonna I mean, you have you have Eastern Kentucky. They're gonna win. Yeah, Western Western Kentucky is probably a win, even though you got to go there. They're still first year head coach there, so yeah. that's probably a win. Outside think, of that, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, win. I mean, win two or three ACC games, and I I, I think this fan base is happy. Yeah, I, I really do. I think they'll see it as a success. So I don't I don't think there's any like doubt that, you know, Satterfield can coach. I, I think at this point you should take that as a given. There's just too many people out there that say that's the case. And I, I think the recruiting thing is going to be one thing we're going to be focusing on pretty intently. Um, I just don't yeah, know. That's all we it's, got. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just not going to be just yet. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's all we can say on the football front. Um, but you know, honestly, this past week has you know we sort of talked. You just mentioned we kind of got nothing to talk about football wise recruiting. You know, we kind of had this weird period since Louisville isn't in a bowl game, and there's kind of a lull in basketball. The the calm before the storm that is Kentucky. Um, so of course, a lot of weird things had to happen because it, it wouldn't be Louisville, you know, athletics if it wasn't. So what ended up happening is, first of all, last week, Ken Lola, the longtime 13-year veteran coach of Louisville men's soccer, uh, suddenly resigns, suddenly leaves. Um, we kind of don't uh, – he says it's ready. He's ready for a new challenge. Heard some murmurs. There's other jobs. Heard some murmurs. There's Tom Jurich stuff involved. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that. And then I think the even bigger, weirder story is, and, and the one that's that sort of captured Louisville Twitter today is the 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 firing of Todd Sharp, who appears to have stolen at minimum forty thousand um, dollars by by selling <laughs> selling Adidas gear. It's literally incredible. <laughs> Which is, you know. I always think of like Matt Jones's terrible tweets, like University of Scandal. But like, dude, you can't even write it anymore. Like, who's who's gonna make this thirty for thirty? It's like, gotta be us, Chris. It's, I think it's, it's gotta be us. It may not even be a thirty for thirty. It may be an A and E crime show before <laughs> it's all said and done. To be honest with you. I, I, and just like the whole thing around the ladybirds, it, it's I listen. We'll we'll talk about. I think we're going to talk about this the stupidity of the of the tweets and the is the are the ladybirds too sexy thing. Uh, the hard hitting topics and the hard hitting topics and and you know that's what Tim Sullivan's spending his time on investigating. Uh, but the, it's it the, there is like a culture of weirdness around this just because of the Lifetime show that came out with the ladybirds and they <laughs> had that like. Trauma. Which, by the way, I'm proud to say I watched every episode with my wife. Oh, goodness, it was amazingly bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, I think I do have that on the empty DVR somewhere. Um, and now might be the proper time to go back and do it. And, you know, just pour out a forty and 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 watch them all the way through. So, but in all seriousness, if you kind of watch, I mean, like, if you kind of watch the show, you're like, oh yeah, he's just kind of a weird dance coach. But then like my <laughs> wife, my wife told me and, and she had some experience, you know, she danced in a high school dance team and she had friends who were on the Ladybirds. And she like explained to me episode one. She's like, you know, Todd Sharp doesn't really do Jack for them. And it's the other lady who like comes up with all the dances and he's just like the guy who yells. Yes. And I'm like, really? <laughs> it and of course, he's the guy who's front and center. He's was, the guy who's getting what all is strange points. enough about that is this is the second person i've heard say that that they were watching that with with their wife and <laughs> they had that opinion so that's pretty funny but so, i mean yeah. at this point i'm literally starting to wonder if if tom george was scarface like 
literally, you know, Kelly Young, lacrosse coach. You want to treat players like trash? That's fine. You know, it's fine. You can keep your job. But Trino, nobody wants you. We'll give you a $10 million buyout. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Come back here. Ribatino, oh, you know nothing. I believe you. Todd Sharp, you were taking money. You got the championships. You can stay here. And I, I understand why these guys like Tom Jurich so much. It makes sense. They could do whatever the hell they want. It's crazy. I mean, it literally, like, you can't write this script. And it's and I I tweeted it. I tweeted it last night. It's you know the the investigation was. It said it was over the course of two years. And I I you're not you're not just starting to do this two years ago and doing it on such a big scale. If you hadn't been doing it for years before that, right? You know? and, and I I truly and I've I'm sure everyone's heard the whispers of various coaches and various things. I think this will never fully know what it was like under the under the hood of the Tom Jurich athletic department. And I'm just and I'm just kind of upset at myself that I didn't see it. That I'm, I'm expecting any day for it to come out that Dan McDonald was there's corks in the bats or something. I mean, <laughs> at, at this point, why not? It, hopefully not. Dan Dan is the. You know, Lola was Lola and Dan were like the the stalwarts, the like saints, the, the moral saints. Yes, and um, and it, it's pretty clear if anything that Vince Tyree is trying to to develop an athletic department full of those guys. So it's it's just we, we feel we feel good now though, right? Like it, you know, it feels it feels better, doesn't it? It does. I think it does. You know, the we've got two guys now that are uh, definitely all about keeping putting the morals back into college sports, whether or not you're you're down for that. That's you know, I get it. Um, you know, there's definitely no Penny Hardaway uh, <laughs> shouting expletives at the. Uh, well, Who I don't I know. Love. Chris Mack. Chris I, I Mack. Love still, but Chris Mack has got some heat. We'll we'll get there when we get there. Um, yeah, man. I don't, I don't know. It's. Um, I'm still trying to figure out if, if Chris Mack and, and John Calipari are going to have a cordial relationship. Cause I, I can really see it going either way, especially like in the next two, you know, couple years, if Mack and Calipari, the recruiting battles get a little bit more competitive again, because the way yes, I, I don't think it happens. Yeah. That's my, my, my thought process. I don't think it happens this year. I think if it happens, it happens in the next two years when, yeah. when, when they're, they have a full year of kind of, um, you know, battling for some guys and, you know, I don't know, it, it could be a situation where Kyle is, he's kind of backed into a corner right now, recruiting wise, and maybe he gets a little more desperate and uh, steps on some toes, steps on max toes and, and goes some for some of the guys that he's targeted and that could, that could lead to it. But I, I, I'm not convinced it's going to be all, all raindrops and, and uh, roses for those two guys. Yeah, I think there's going to be some bad blood. I find it pretty curious because, you know, Chris Mack and, um, why does the name escape me? Mick Cronin, um, from Cincinnati obviously didn't get along a lot. And Mick Cronin is basically a junior version of Rick Bettino. Um, <laughs> but, but the thing is Rick Bettino and John Calipari are a lot alike in a lot of ways. Um, which so, is why I think, why I think yeah, there is bad blood there. Yeah. So <laughs> I, that's, that's where I can kind of see that happening down the road. Uh, this year will will definitely be, you know, pleasantries and yeah. great, great team. Great coach. Oh, great to uh, have you. Great to be a part. Great yeah. to have you a part of the, uh, the battle for the bluegrass, but yeah, but yeah, but it, we, I think we've, we've skipped a really far away from Todd Sharp and the ladybirds, <laughs> but we would be, we would be remiss if we did not talk about our good friend, Tim Sullivan, uh, the Courier Journal, my God, who's out there just every day reporting the hard stories. Um, what what were your thoughts he, on he, this? He needs he needs to write a column. It, he needs to be, you know, the guy that was that was wearing the Tommy Trush shirt with the <laughs> sign that was that was hanging outside of the Thinker statue. That needs to be Tim Sullivan outside the the University of Louisville complex saying the Louisville dance team is too racy. That's that's what I need. I, I get you know, it's it's just fascinating. <laughs> I, I have no words. Like I'm going through the tweets right Do now. Do you have so. the tweets in front of you? Can we just read them? Yes, we can. I think. Well, I think the one that was really good got deleted, which kind of stinks. Um, there was a here's one from so. 
Someone tweeted at uh, uh, President Neely Bindapudi and Vince Tyree, uh, the sexualization of female students through dance is not appropriate for our university, period. Disband the ladybirds. Tim Sullivan, quote, retweet, I don't agree with disbanding the ladybirds, but have wondered if they were a little too racy for a college dance troupe. I wonder if that might change following the dismissal of Todd Sharp. The best was the response, though. You know, I have it in front of me. It's Dance team is one thing. They're a twerk team. I'm not against some skilled twerk moves in the right setting, but football should be fan-friendly. First off, football is not fan-friendly at all. There, there's literally guys out there hitting each other, and they're getting CTE as you watch them. So don't even try Mistake to sell me that fan-friendly. Mistake one, John. <laughs> Secondly, I'll continue on. <laughs> I took my seven-year-old to a game. Seats were right in front of the dance team. Fans were around us drunk and dropping F-bombs like a strip club. <laughs> Literally, like, we can just stop the show right now. Like, <laughs> A response from Twitter. We got to go respond from Tim Selvin. Have to think there are a lot of parents who appreciate the Ladybirds who would not want their daughters performing with them. Period. Me, comma, for instance. <laughs> Oh, I can't. He's, I mean, he's a treasure, and I think I kind of just want him to lean in. Like he's almost—he's almost to me like Skip Bayless. If Skip Bayless wasn't self-aware, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the takes are bad, but he doesn't know the takes are bad. I mean, if, he, <laughs> if he just went full t- Tim Sullivan and just—I'm going to write a column about this. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, get comments from Vince Tyra. That's—that's that's what we need. We have mm-hmm. no bowl game. You said it. We need—we need that. We need that type of thing, man. It's 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 hilariously wild. But like, and you know, you telling even, me that that college football is a family atmosphere, like go to a Louisville tailgate and tell me, <laughs> or go to a Kentucky tailgate, go to an Alabama LSU tailgate where they're throwing freaking animals at the opposing fans, and tell me that's a family atmosphere. Like, get the hell out of here, dude. Like, listen, I think I think people kind of. People and this is just like a bigger philosophical thing, but like people have this idea that because like it's quote unquote like family welcome means that it that it's gonna be like right like the level of a you know the level of a just like a, a Nickelodeon show. You can kind of get that vibe at like a basketball game, but but not football. No, it's and especially especially some of these late games, man. It's like you know. What's, <laughs> You know what's happening. You know what's happening. Like, come on, come on. There, there's two and nine Louisville playing Kentucky at eight o'clock. Like, you, you, you know what's going down. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. You know the type of people that are going to show up. Like, right. let's not pretend. But yeah, and it's, but honestly, this isn't like the first time I've heard people talk. I mean, people talk specifically about the Ladybirds. I remember when the team joined the ACC. They went to their first ACC tournament that first basketball year. And all the and all the North Carolina media guys were just like, oh, my God, is this like what Louisville basketball is? And the scandals had already started at that point, you know, like there was yeah. already that like a little bit of talk. It's the same uh, place that goes to real classes. <laughs> all the all the Duke NC State Wake Forest heads were like, oh, man, the Ladybirds are just unlike anything we've got right now. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. dude, <laughs> it was always funny, like um, covering the games a little bit because I wrote for, you know, 24 seven sports and a few other places. Yeah. And it was always funny seeing the media members, especially Louisville, like trying purposely not to look. And I'm like, dude, just like you're making this more awkward that you're yeah. looking down. Just just be normal. Just be normal, man. Like this is nothing. This is nothing that's not on TV right now. Just like. It's they're a dance team. It's a dance. You go with, you know, they're college kids. Just relax. Everyone yeah, chill like, out. It doesn't have to be about you at all times. It's you, just they're dancing. You have a hip-hop. president. You got a president that's been with a porn star. Like, I, I think we're good. <laughs> we're we're let's move past it. Like, <laughs> just accept it for what it is. You Just because you're watching doesn't mean you're like fully submitting yourself to to all sorts of illicit things like yeah and and honestly like 
these guys that want to view it through like the president prism of uh, some sexual thing, you know, that, that that's on you, dude. Like you don't, you don't have to view it that way. Like this is literally just a thing. It's a competition. You know I mean? That's on you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good. I mean, listen, we're not, <laughs> we're two 20 something year old dudes. Like we're not going to be the first people to, we're, we're not saying we're the end all be all of like what is and what isn't right. But some people just they took the the this conversation is way too far. And it's I don't know. It's it got really weird really fast. Did you uh, <laughs> switch topic? But did, did you see any of the uh, the Monday night football game? I realized like this will be like Thursday when we're airing this. But whatever. <laughs> um, a little bit. What was it? Panthers versus Saints. right? Uh, yeah. So like the Panthers are playing. They play Mo Bamba at the kickoffs. So, uh, and, and they stop it when the ball is kicked. And I understand why they stop it when the ball is kicked. But I want that rule to change. I want music to play during the entire kickoff because I am just thinking about a kickoff being returned to Mo Bamba playing in the background. And I'm all for like more swagginess in sports and more disrespectful actions. And I can't think of anything more disrespectful than a guy just juking past the kicker why why Mo Bamba's playing in the background. So that's it. Uh, just just something I had to say. No, but I'm all in on – no, you, uh, you bring up a good point. I'm all in on music during the games in general. I mean, if you go to an NBA game, they play the music during like when the team's on defense. They play the music um, you know, all, uh, pretty, pretty consistently. It's never – hugely bumping a lot of times like an organ or a piano that's how it is at msg but yeah it, it's there's no reason I, i've always i'm totally cool. fine at playing during a kickoff like I just they played i mean they play like legitimately a lot of teams have actually used the mo bamba song against mo bamba which has been really funny <laughs> like just like when he messes up immediately just played mo bamba for 20 where's he at again <laughs> Uh, Orlando, right? I think. Okay. Yeah. No, it is Orlando. He's actually starting tonight. I saw. I got the uh, the, the, got draft, the, the DraftKings update. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's you know, I think that's all we can add to the Lady Bird discussion. <laughs> as as noted, Lady Bird's we're Tim Sullivan experts. We should say we're not Lady Bird experts. Tim Sullivan. I subscribe to his tweets, and I will continue to do so. So. <laughs> Hi, this is Kentucky Governor Matt Bev. We're just calling it like it is because we are Kentucky. All right, so that's you know, sports Louisville-wise. That's all that's going on. But, you know, we we want this show to be not just sports-related, not just Louisville sports-related. So we wanted to talk a little bit about the fun that's been going on in the state of Kentucky. The latest episode of Matt Bevin messes around and makes an embarrassment of us. Uh Matt Bevin had a really rough week, Chris. Taking all the L's. <laughs> he took all the L's. That's what he got for Christmas. Um, so, yeah, so it started last week with the whole ProPublica thing, which you can read about, but five seconds, basically ProPublica, which is sort of an arm of NPR-ish type public radio thing. Uh, they're giving a bunch of money to the Courier-Journal to invest, to just report more in Frankfurt, which is one of the stories not a whole lot of people know is that over the past five years, there's been less and less coverage of the General Assembly in general and the State House in general. So ProPublica helping Curry Journal out with that, that made that made Mr. Matt Bevin wrong, uh, real mad. He got hashtag. He was real upset. Online. He got real upset, huge, big mad. He actually- Actually, he actually blocked my dad on Twitter. So both yeah. of us are now blocked on Twitter. I've not gotten I've not gotten the block. I've like thought about it, but I kind of like it's, it's an achievement thing. at this point. It's a, it's an achievement for a lot of people. And I, I respect. Listen, I, I salute anyone who gets blocked by a political figure. Um, I think that is good activism and using your free speech. If you say something that upsets them because you pay their salary. I'm that guy. I'll say that right now. That may that may upset you if you're listening. I I don't apologize. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I I've kind of always been of the frame of mind that like I want to be able to roast their tweets like on occasion without having to like see that without like retweeting them. So like I roast I'll roast Matt Bevin all the time off some things and just see what he says and then just roast it real quick. 
so yeah, so he decided to get really mad about ProPublica. He put out a, one of those really silly videos. I don't know if you've ever watched one of these YouTube videos. Post Chris, <laughs> it's just uh, he's like not a bad talker, to be quite honest. He's like really not bad at talking and and kind of communicating. But when he complains about things, he never not sounds an, like annoying. Like he the always last, sounds annoying. The last um, Facebook produced Matt Bevan production that I watched. <laughs> was was the the commercial of him shooting shooting paintball guns into oh, the yeah. sky victoriously and telling me that Kentucky governor needed to be tough. Um, and after that, I, I really didn't have much more. Much more. <laughs> I didn't think anything could top it. So at this point, like you're just gonna leave it there. Yeah, yeah no, I, 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 th- I think Matt that. Bevan is due the respect for me to say this is the greatest achievement that you will have. And <laughs> and you know, I, I can't go any further. They weren't paintballs. Um, I can't even remember it's what like they were. Airsoft, I want to say. Something airsoft like guns. Yes, that's exactly what it would. I mean, which you know, Eastern Kentucky, that that kind of represents a good portion of people. But <laughs> uh, so the ProPublica thing happens, and then like twelve hours after that, uh, Kentucky Supreme Court says, "Oh, you can't." the The way that the pension bill was passed was unconstitutional. So then he calls a special session on Monday. And if you don't know what a special session is, it's basically the governor at his own will or her own will can say, oh, well, we need the General Assembly. We need all the representatives and senators to meet on a specific topic. This one being passing the pension bill. So he gave all of the representatives four hours to come to Frank. Four hours. Four hours on the Monday before Christmas. Uh, well, I guess like a, the week before Christmas uh, to come and fix this. And I was fully expecting us to keep talk to to it for it still to be going today, but yesterday it ended up ending. ACs is still amazed every day. <laughs> so uh, he spent like five hundred thousand dollars of your tax money. If that upsets you, um, it upsets me. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a it's it's a real tough L for him to take. Then he had these whole polls go out. Uh, with Andy Brashear, who's running for governor against him next year, who I'm sure we'll talk more about. Uh, kind of an herb, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> Andy, Andy Brashear beat you in a poll, and you're the standing governor. Like, <laughs> I, I was, you know, when we started, like, taking some notes for this podcast, and I knew that was going to be something we would mention. Like, I can't even think of a, a euthanism to describe that. Like, it's Andy Bashir, and you're the standing governor in the state of Kentucky, and you're losing by multiple percentage points. Yeah. Yeah, and we're at the point, I think it was like 59 to 50, if I recall. Or no, not, that that wouldn't make any sense. It was like 49 to 40. I yeah, I think it was six, five or six percentage points. So we're at the point where uh, the last time that the the company who does the really big popular, unpopular polls for governors called Morning Consult, they did an October poll and Bevan was fourth, but the like the, the fourth most un, unpopular governor in the country. But numbers one through three took L's in November. So it's almost assured that Bevin is the most unpopular governor in the country was out of the, all 50 states. Was the guy from Kansas one of the three? It, it was the lady at that point because he yeah. had I think he had left. Okay. But then they had, you know, they had that election because she was like she was an interim person. Gotcha. And uh, the person lost. Uh, the, I forget who was the guy, his name, who um, was like a big voting guy. But anyway. So, yeah, so I mean, we're talking about the most unpopular governor in the country who is losing to a guy who um, is, I, I would say, is generally unpopular am, among the majority of his own party members in, in, in Kentucky. And, uh, you know, I will say Matt Bevin was losing, you know, a lot of people mentioned this, Matt Bevin was losing in his final poll a week before the election um, when he was first elected. And he won handily running away against another boring herb jack conway mm-hmm. um so it's not you know this isn't the nlb all but this stack of l's that matt bevin took is is kind of setting up to me what's going to be a real interesting 2019 hell we don't we don't even know for sure if matt bevin's gonna run which is kind of insane i mean but who's i think it's worth noting like who is an exciting candidate the only one that comes to mind for me is, is amy you know amy mcgrath but outside of that like 
there's just not any exciting people that just get me jazzed up. Yeah, man. It's there's not, you know, I, I joked with some friends, like, where's the where's the Beto O'Rourke of, of Kentucky? Right. Like that guy doesn't exist right now. I wish he was out there. And Louisville's in a really weird position because they're the the base of of you know left leaning you know progressive democratic politics. But if you put out a guy from uh, or a, a, a girl from here, uh, the chances of them being accepted by the rest of the state are slim to none. Um, so um, it's it's a really weird time, and I, I don't know, man. Like I just don't know where these interesting people are. We. We want someone who's going to be interesting. I want someone, you know, the two things I want for someone who's running for, for governor are saying we're going to legalize casinos and we're going to legalize marijuana because there's a bunch of money. I think it's pretty simple. <laughs> a bunch of money left on the table that everyone else is making and we're not making any of it. And Yeah, you know, and at this – and no, sorry to interrupt you. I just, no, you're fine. At this point, if you just want to say legalizing casino gambling, I'm fine because I yeah. just want my life – for Kentucky not to be the last to the boat for some <laughs> there's an opportunity here right now to do this and you know two years from now the opportunity that's here right now is not going to be the same as it is two years from now yeah yeah it, it just seems pretty simple I mean it you you've had for how long just something as simple as people going across the river to go spend their money at Indiana casinos. And that's been, I don't know how long that casino has been there, but I mean, what is it going to take to, to get away with the partisan bullshit and just say, this is a good decision for Kentucky. Let's do this because it's, it makes so much sense. It's we, a you decision know, our own citizens are making every single day. You know, we literally, there are casinos in Indiana, Ohio, and West Virginia, you know, so the vast majority of the state is three hours away from a casino, two hours away from a casino. You could, and, population centers, I'm sure it's, you know, 50% or more. I mean, it's and just, not to it's mention, stupid. we practically, you know, bag about brag about the debauchery that goes on in the infield of the Derby. So, I mean, you're already, <laughs> you're already basically endorsing, you know, all of that stuff. So just cut the nonsense and just do what makes sense. It, yeah, man, we could, you know, I'm sure people who are listening feel, feel similarly. Um, it just makes too much sense. And that's and the kind of the common theme of Kentucky since I've been here. If it makes too much sense, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's fair. Goodness knows. So, yeah, it, you know, remains to be seen what happens next for Bevin. He has, I think, until the end of January. Um, Democrats have until the end of January as well to decide if they're going to run for governor. I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about this race. Um, yeah, just something to think about, something to be interested in. I thought and it was yeah. interesting, though. I don't know if you you saw the uh, – damn, I can't even remember who wrote the column in the Courier Journal. But there was a small tidbit in there that that mentioned that Matt Bevan publicly stated that he hadn't even read the you know the revised pension yeah. bill. Yeah. yeah, like, and he's publicly going out and saying this, and that just that, that kind of tells you how bad he wants to be Donald Trump. But also, it's just it's incredible. And that was it, that was also crazy because I think that article was just trying to figure out where the bill came from because I think the the GOP when they introduced it, they're like, oh yeah, the governor's office wrote this, and Evan <laughs> and his squad were like, oh no no, we didn't read this. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> we we've got no control over this, and it just. Man, so like even these guys, these guys have control, you know, control of the state house, control of the Senate, control of the of the House of Representatives, and they can't even figure out who's writing the dang bills. And it's what's what's Matt like, Evans' biggest accomplishment? Silence. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Maybe getting charter schools. I was about to say charter schools and. You know, he cares a whole lot about like really random stuff. I don't know, man. <laughs> and let's let's not even like let's not even get started. I, I'm I'm no financial expert, but every single article that's been written said, yo, this whole Brady investment thing is real sus, real suspect. Yeah. <laughs> real su yeah. So they're like this company that is saying, oh, we're going to come to Kentucky as long as everyone crowdfunds us coming here. Which is really, really weird. When does that ever <laughs> it makes work? No sense at all. Never heard of that before. 
Um, we've, you know, I think we've talked a little bit, Chris, and we're going to try and have some guests once, um, once this thing gets up off the ground and uh, I'm sure some political experts, some people yeah. who know more than just our, our babbling behinds will, will be up in here <laughs> explaining this to the, to the general public. We, we need someone to explain what the hell's going on because. And if you're listening and this is you slide in the DMS, we're here. <laughs> Please. Yeah. And if, you know, if you have an opinion or you have something you feel like needs to be talked about and we can't talk about it, we will be gladly have you on to, you know, tell us why we should be talking about it. No question. No question. I think, I think that, uh, that just about does it for us today. We've reached a sort of hour mark. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. Um, again, um, subscribe wherever you can. Seriously, tell three people, just text three people, um, DM three people on, on Instagram or crowdsource. crowdsource say hey these two young dudes are just talking about stuff and it's hopefully semi-entertaining to you um (laughs) so yeah so just do that three people everyone that's your assignment three people we want to get to you know there's a number in our mind that we want to get to by the new year of people uh next week i'm sure we'll talk about kentucky so it's a good time as always to to join in um and yeah do that so Chris, I appreciate you again joining us, joining uh, you know, giving us the takes that the people deserve. I always got them. All right, guys, see you next week. Enjoy your Christmas. Uh, enjoy your holiday with your family. Uh, all the best to you and your own. Take care. <laughs>